chapter 4. Ruth chapter 4, and we'll be considering this evening the closing few verses of the book, uh, verses 13 to 22. Our theme this evening is Our Family, God's Family. Our Family, God's Family. I'm sure many of us here this evening have family portraits hanging on the walls of our homes. Or maybe if you're on social media, your profile picture or your cover photo is a photo of you and your family or maybe you and some of your close friends. And if you have a family portrait hanging on the wall, uh, it certainly doesn't tell you everything about yourself. uh, Far from it. But it does remind you of a little bit, perhaps. When you look at that picture, you're reminded a little bit of what you were like or what family life was like when the picture was taken. As we come to the end of this wonderful story, the book of Ruth, Ruth, it finishes with something like a family portrait. It finishes with a glimpse into the happy home of Boaz, his wife Ruth, and Granny Naomi as she becomes. And there's a new addition to the family, a little baby boy named Obed. But the book doesn't just finish with a family portrait, it finishes with a family tree. It doesn't just tell us where this family have come from, it tells us also where this family is headed. Right at the end of the book, the writer springs what would have been a huge surprise, at least for his first readers. Who is the last name, whose is the last name mentioned in the book of Ruth? Is David. King David, who would turn out to be the greatest king in the history of Israel. And it turns out he was born into the line of this family, into the line of Boaz and Ruth. Perhaps the first people who heard this story given to them way back thousands of years ago, perhaps as the story began, they were sort of wondering, well, why is this important? Why do we need to know about A widow who ended up in Moab and came back and her daughter-in-law going out into the fields. Why does any of this matter? But as he finishes the story, the writer shows us why it matters. It shows us that how in the ordinariness of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi, God was doing something extraordinary. Through the loving kindness that each of these people showed to one another, as we've seen In the story, God was showing his loving kindness, not just to them, but to the whole nation of Israel. Through these ordinary people, God was going to bring his king, his chosen one. And as we leave the book of Ruth tonight, I want us to see that even though we may be ordinary people, if we are believers, we are part of God's extraordinary family. And the extraordinary things that God has done and is doing in our world. And so we'll, we'll look at this family portrait uh, this evening and consider what sort of a family is this? What has God done for them? What will God do for them? And let's notice firstly this evening a family moved from death to life. A family moved from death to life. Look at verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife and he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. It's a completely different picture to Ruth chapter 1, the beginning of the book where we saw mourning and heartache 
and death. The book of Ruth began with funerals. It ends with a birthday. It began with death. It ends with life. Look at verse 16. Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and she became his nurse. Finally, finally, Naomi is holding a little son again. A son to bring her joy. A son to carry the name of her husband and her other sons into the future. She gets to become a grandmother to her little grandson, Obed. All because of the loving kindness, the the chesed, the Boaz and Ruth have shown to Naomi. But is it really all down to them? Look again at verse 13. It says, The Lord gave her, gave Ruth, conception. And if you were to cast your eyes back to chapter 1 and verse 6, you'll see the other time, the only other time in the book of Ruth that we're explicitly told of God intervening and doing something. And again, in that instance, he was giving something to his people. He, he gave them food after the time of famine in the land of Israel. See, friends, all through the book, God has been keeping these people alive and he has been giving them life. It was God who called Naomi out of Moab, do you remember? And to go back into the, the country of Israel. It was God who called Ruth to trust in him. It was God who in his providence led Ruth. Remember she just so happened to end up in Boaz's field. It was God who put a heart of love and generosity into Boaz when he first saw Ruth. And it's God who now gives them the blessing of their own little child. Before God did any of those things, these people faced death. Ruth would have died an unbelieving pagan in Moab. Naomi would have died alone and neglected, a poor widow in the days of the judges. God has been moving them from death to life. And as the book closes, the family portrait is a joyful one. It's one of new life. Little baby Obed is living, breathing hope for the future. When Naomi's friends say in verses 14 and 15 that God has not left her without a redeemer, they're talking about Obed. They're not talking about Boaz. Obed is now the new hope for this family. God has brought new life where at first there was death. And if you're a Christian this evening, that's what God has done for each and every one of us. We read this morning from Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Like Elimelech, Naomi's husband, we were in a far off country away from God with no desire to be with God, no knowledge of how to be with God. We were facing death in every sense and God has intervened in his grace and he has moved us from death to life. And if you're not a Christian this evening, you still face death. Yes, all of us here this evening, Christian or not, we will face physical death unless Jesus comes back first. But for the Christian, physical death is just a stepping stone to heaven and glory. Our catechism says that upon death, the souls of believers 
are immediately made perfect in holiness and pass into glory to be with their Saviour and await the resurrection of our bodies. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Jesus Christ can move you from death to life. Have you put your trust in him, your great redeemer? God worked behind the scenes in some ways. What we would say, what we would say was behind the scenes to bring new life to Naomi and Ruth. He worked in ways that they didn't even realise at times. And maybe that's the case for some of us as well. We, we didn't even realise when God began to bring new life to us. Maybe you can look back and you, can, you know the date and time when you first cried out in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's fantastic if you have that memory, the, the date of, of, of your conversion as such. But if you look back even further, do you see, can you think of the ways in which God was calling you through the experiences that you had, through the people that spoke to you and and shared the gospel with you? Can you see how God was moving you from death to life? Perhaps you barely remember a time when you weren't a Christian. Perhaps like me and and maybe some some of the rest of us here this evening, you can't remember the date when you became a Christian. And for us, God was perhaps working back several generations before us in our family tree. Working perhaps intervening more dramatically in the lives of our grandparents or our great-grandparents. So that we were born into a covenant household. The point is, friends, at some point, God broke the cycle of death, spiritual death, in our lives And he brought life. And if God is calling you to new life this evening. If you have not yet received Jesus Christ as your redeemer. Confess your sins. Trust in him. And you are moved from death to life. And if you are a Christian this evening. I want you to see what a wonderful gift this is from God. Again as we thought this morning. Something we could never have done for ourselves. We were dead Corpses don't make any decisions. We had no means of reaching out to God. It is God who has reached out to us and breathed new life into us, just as he did, physically speaking, in the family of Naomi. So a family moved from death to life. But I also want you to notice that Ruth's family and our family is a family moved from emptiness to fullness. A family moved from emptiness to To fullness. In the closing verses of the book of Ruth, the focus shifts away from Boaz and Ruth, and the focus shifts on to Naomi. And here we see the story coming full circle because really it was out of the, the main characters of this book, it was Naomi that we met first, and then we met Ruth, and then we met Boaz. And now at the end of the book, Boaz if you like, exits the stage. And then Ruth exits the stage and Naomi is left with the spotlight on her. And in verses 14 and 15, the women of Bethlehem speak to Naomi again, just as they did in chapter one. You remember how Naomi spoke, the the woman said, is this Naomi when she came back from Moab? 
And Naomi said to them, Don't call me Naomi anymore, call me Mara. The Lord has dealt very bitterly with me. She said in chapter 1, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She'd been emptied. She'd been left feeling she had nothing, as though she had nothing. But what did the woman say to Naomi now? Verse 14. Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a redeemer. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. They're saying, Naomi, you may have been empty whenever it was she came back, maybe months ago, maybe a year ago, but God has now filled you to the brim with blessing. Look at what he's given you, Naomi. You can't say you're bitter or empty any longer. They look at baby Obed and they say, Naomi, your bitterness has turned to joyfulness. Your shame has turned to honour. Your loneliness is gone. Your fullness has come because of this little redeemer in your arms. A little baby born into a family always brings such joy, doesn't it? It's always such a blessing even just to hold them for a little while. And yes, there was that sense that just (coughs) new life in itself, a little baby by itself is a wonderful joy. But for Naomi, in her situation, these women realize that it's more than just the joy of a little baby. It's redemption. It's hope for the future. God has given Naomi not just what she needed. She needed life. She needed her land secured. He's given her so much more. God has given Naomi a wonderful son-in-law in Boaz. He's given Naomi a wonderful daughter-in-law in Ruth. And in a sense, really, Ruth now is her adopted daughter. She's not really a daughter-in-law anymore. The women of Bethlehem actually say, <coughs> they say to Naomi that Ruth is worth more than seven sons. One writer suggests that the ideal family for Israelites in that time was a family of seven sons. Uh, that, that's what, uh, that that's what Israelites would really have wanted. Well, the women of Bethlehem say to Ruth, you don't need seven sons. You just need one Ruth. That's all you need. Naomi is surrounded in blessings. Her needs are provided for. Her family portrait is not empty. It's full. And Boaz and Ruth have been provided for as well. If you look at verse 13. Notice how Ruth is described now. She has become Boaz's wife. Ruth has gone from the lowest of slaves, a maidservant in the field, to the wife of the most worthy man in the town. don't know if any of you watched the, the Poldark TV series that was on the last few years in the BBC. I think it's finished now. Uh, but in the, in the very first series, Poldark has uh, a kitchen maid, Demelza, and uh, to the shock of, this, of the townsfolk, Demelza becomes Ross Poldark's wife. And this is the, the talk of the town. And people can't believe that the mere servant girl who couldn't read and did all the cooking in the kitchen, that she's now the lady of the manor. And that's what's happened to Ruth. The, the pagan Moabite widow that nobody would have looked twice at in Bethlehem. She is Boaz's wife. She's been taken from emptiness. And she has been placed in a position of fullness. The wife of Boaz. 
And if you're a Christian today, again, this is your life. You have been moved from emptiness to fullness. You were an outcast sinner and now you are part of the the, the church, the bride of Christ Jesus, our great Redeemer. And God, through Christ, has given every one of us so much more than just what we needed. Again, we needed life and we needed an inheritance, a land of our own. And God has given us that in Christ. But look at how much more he's given us. Look around you in this room this evening. You're part of a family. Regardless of your family status uh, in a physical or biological sense, you have, a, you have a, a room full of brothers and sisters here this evening and further afield in this room as well. Look at what God has given in your hand tonight. His word in your own language and probably several other copies in your home. And as well as that, look at the clothes that we're wearing, the cars that we're driving, the homes that we're living in. God has given us even material blessings that many other people don't have. We get to enjoy as well as those more crucial blessings of life in Christ and the status of being part of the the household of God. And this doesn't mean, of course, that there aren't times when we feel empty, like Naomi did at the beginning of the book. Maybe there are things in your life that leave you feeling empty even at this very moment. Maybe you're mourning the loss of a loved one. There's, there's a gap now in your family portrait, your family tree. And like Naomi, it leaves you feeling an emptiness. Maybe you're suffering ill health or or you look at those you love suffering through illness or disappointment of one kind or another. Maybe you've been hurt in past days. Someone has said or done hurtful things against you. Maybe it's just the weight of the pressures of work, family life, the discouragement of the spiritual state of the nation we live in. and These things perhaps leave you feeling discouraged or unfairly treated or empty. Maybe your emptiness comes from the fact that you this evening again are not yet a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. You haven't repented of sin. You've been trying to find a sense of fullness and purpose in other things. Work, love, lust, study, money, whatever it may be. And all of those things are leaving you feeling empty. Friends, the book of Ruth assures us that God can provide for our emptiness. That God can give us fullness of blessing. These women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a Redeemer. And friends, God has not left us without a Redeemer either. Paul says in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. He's filled us with blessing, Paul says. In love he predestined us, For adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, in Christ, we have redemption. Do you want to feel full of blessing? Fullness of blessing comes through faith in Jesus Christ. 
The blessing of sin forgiven, of redemption, of an inheritance that no one can remove from you. The book of Ruth is a reminder that we have a God who delights to fill us if we acknowledge our emptiness before him. So a family moved from death to life, a family moved from emptiness to fullness. And thirdly and finally this evening, Ruth's family and our family is a family full of special purpose. A family full of special purpose. I said a few weeks ago that one of the reasons we love the book of Ruth is because of how ordinary it is. The characters come across as very ordinary. There's no big miracles or visions or anything like that. It's a story about people going to work. It's a story about family. There's bereavement in this story. There's a wedding. There's a birthday. All ordinary parts of life. But look at the end of verse 17. Obed, we're told, was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David. And this is where, if you like, the book of Ruth stops being ordinary. Because King David was born into this family. And King David was no ordinary king, no ordinary man. And the, and the shocking thing is here that we learn that King David has a Moabite ancestor, Ruth. And yet it's through this ordinary group of people and even through a pagan Moabite that the chosen king of Israel will one day come. And the significance of the name of David is not just confined to the Old Testament. This is a thread that weaves its way through the whole of Scripture that God is going to bring particular blessing through for his people through the family of Abraham and through the 12 tribes of Jacob and the tribe of Judah in particular and the family of David and the tribe of Judah in particular. I'll give you a few examples from the scriptures. God says to David himself in 2 Samuel seven sixteen, your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne, David, shall be established forever. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. This is long after David had died. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. There's a promise that even after David has died, someone will come from the line of David. Who will be a glorious and mighty king. Psalm 89. Which we'll be singing shortly. Again God says to David. I will establish your offspring forever. uh, And your throne for all generations. And in the very last passage of scripture. uh, The very last book of the Bible. We read it earlier. Jesus Christ in Revelation 22.16. Jesus himself says. I am the root and descendant of who? David, the bright morning star. And David and Jesus come through Boaz and Ruth. Ordinary people. A Moabite woman, an outcast. An older man who perhaps, we don't know his circumstances, but perhaps he thought that His time for a family had passed. But they showed 
God's loving kindness to one another. And God showed his loving kindness to them. And their faith is rewarded. And through them one day comes King David. And through King David one day comes King Jesus. And zooming out from Naomi's family for a moment, let's remember that the book of Ruth takes place in the dark days of the judges, a time of sin and idolatry among God's people. And yet it ends with this beam of light, this wonderful king is promised. Despite all the people's sin, God was going to send a great king one day, King David. And in future, every time we read the names of David and his descendants, we will be reminded that the prayers of The people in Ruth chapter 4 verse 11 and chapter 4 verse 14 were answered. God did make Boaz's name and Obed's name famous. And when we get to the New Testament we see their names repeated in the family tree of Jesus himself. And not only do we see the name of Boaz and his Moabite wife Ruth in the very first chapter of the the New Testament. We see the name of uh, Tamar. In the, in the opening chapter, sorry, of Rahab, in the opening chapters of the New Testament, and we see the name of David. These people, friends, were all sinners. Rahab was a prostitute. David committed murder. Ruth was a pagan Moabite. But Jesus came from them, and Jesus came to redeem them and people like them. Remember the words of the angel to Joseph, Matthew 1 21. The angel speaking to Jesus' adopted father before he was born. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. See friends, Jesus was the kinsman redeemer for Boaz and Ruth and Judah and Tamar and Rahab and Jesse and David. Jesus came from a line of sinners, though he himself was sinless. Jesus was like his ancestors, but unlike his ancestors. And Jesus died for his ancestors and for his family tree, past, present and future. God did an extraordinary thing in the lives of these ordinary people. Isn't it amazing to think that a few yards, a few yards away from the spot where Boaz first saw Ruth, Working away in his field in Bethlehem. Thousands of years later. Their descendant Jesus of Nazareth would be laid in a Bethlehem feeding trough. Sent by God to redeem sinners. What does all of this mean for us? Well if you're a Christian today you're called to live an ordinary life but not a meaningless life. We may be ordinary, but our God is extraordinary. And he has brought us into an extraordinary family with an extraordinary purpose. We are part of the family of Boaz and Ruth and David by faith in Jesus Christ. And we live in a shallow, silly, selfish culture Culture that wants to make it all about me and my individual experiences and my individual truths, so-called. And what I want to live for and what I want to do. John Piper says that the book of Ruth wants to teach us that God's purpose for his people is to connect us to something greater than ourselves. 
That's what we see in this book. Naomi and Ruth and Boaz all doing things for other people rather than focusing on, their, on themselves. And look at how God used it. Why should we seek to sacrifice for the good of others? Why should we love our church and pray together and forgive one another and welcome one another? Because, friends, God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. God can do extraordinary things through ordinary people. Working in a field, falling in love, having a baby, sharing a meal. God can use it all for his glory and our good. And if you're a Christian today, as I say, you're part of this same family of faith. You and I are as much a part of Jesus' family as Boaz and Ruth because of the redemption that Jesus Christ secured for us on the cross. Behold, what manner of love is this, says John, that we should be called sons of God. And that is what we are. Are you in this family of faith? Are you part of the family tree Mentioned here at the end of the book of Ruth. And if you are, do you see what privileges we have? What special purpose we have in being part of this family? We are alive. We are hopeful. We are joyful. We are full of blessing. Because of the extraordinary redemption that God has sent to us through Jesus Christ. The days of the judges were dark days. But God was still at work through ordinary people to bring redemption The days we live in today are dark days as well, but God is still at work through ordinary people like you and me. And as we, the family of God, live and love and work and rest, let's be sure to keep proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer, to our needy world, that more people might come in and join this family portrait. Amen.